Minisode 8. Of Contesting Wrestling, which is what this is. Yes, this is that which you already know because you clicked on it and are listening to it with your ears. Unless you clicked on it accidentally somehow, in which case... Welcome. Yeah, this is this is a great. You could have it, subscribed, automatically downloaded. Yeah, know. that's you, true. You, you thought we were going to be Joe Rogan or some shit, but we're way better than that. Yeah, we are. We are much better. I mean, it still will be a little while before we can beat his listenership, but because uh, from if, what I understand, it's eighty percent of America listens to Joe Rogan if, at this if, point. If you're gonna listen to Joe Rogan, that's fine. Just remember not to take anything he says seriously. Yeah. Just remember to be critical mm. about what his guests are saying because he isn't. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. He's just like, oh, what's your deal? Oh, it's so yeah, great. I yeah. It. And I think that it's kind of cool that there's something like that. Sure. That's just you like, tell me your out, fucking you know? bad shit ideas. Like, yeah. let's hear them. Yeah. But I wish there was also the other kind of podcast where you bring people on and you're like, all right, this is why these things that you're saying are bullshit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, harder people, to sustain that. It would yeah, be people cool. won't come on your show, I think, I if guess you do not. that. Penn and Teller should do a show like that. Oh yeah, if, if I was if I was full of shit, I would not go on Penn and Teller's show. Yeah, right. And, and yeah, I think they would they would bill it as Penn and Teller, and Teller would never say anything. But I would trust he'd be sitting there with with headphones on, sitting at a mic. Just... Also, I I feel like uh, I have heard. Pendulette not react well to people calling him out on his bullshit in the past. <laughs> they did do a bullshit episode on themselves. They, they? did one on themselves, yeah. but they're not going to like in that episode. They did not sit down and be like, here's why our supply side libertarianism <laughs> is sure, may, yeah. perhaps flawed. Yeah. Uh, here's why it's maybe not great. Ali Gillette like yeah. gets on Twitter and calls female comedian uh, yeah. and stuff like that. That's not good. So, Ali, G, the Ali G show was kind of like what what I was yeah. thinking, you know, because he would trick people into coming on his show, and then he would, in his weird clandestine way, call out know. their bullshit. He he is a he is a genius. Not all of his stuff hits, but he swings for the fences, and I can respect that. Well, it's, um, I feel like when he messes with people with actual power, that was the problem with his last show, because his last show had the one really interesting character the Israeli soldier character guy that actually got the Republican representative fired because he got him to, like, attack things with his ass and all this stuff. And that was great. And then the other characters in that show were kind of just out there fucking with normal people. And yeah. I I hate it. I hate it when prank shows do that. Like, Eric Andre. Yeah. Like, I fucking love Eric Andre's, like, studio bits. And sometimes the pranks are great. But, like, when he's messing with people with power. But, like... Sometimes you watch an Eric Andre prank and you're like, man, that guy's just trying to go to work, dude. Yeah. And also that the job that that guy is trying to go to definitely pays way less than Adult Swim is paying you for this. So, like, <laughs> you know, something on. that was really great where somebody was messing with regular people, because I don't usually like this either. There was one episode of the old Tom Green show where he went to Japan and was just like six foot three, loud, obnoxious Tom Green in public. And they react differently than Americans do. It's like he's on the Japanese subway where everyone is looking down and being silent. And he's just he's not being mean. He's standing up and being like, does anyone here like bananas? How about bananas? And one guy looks up and he's like, we like uh, quiet. You know, and then like he goes to like he goes to like the zoo and starts playing because he's the butt of most of the jokes. Starts playing the stupid American tourist, and what the people at the zoo don't know is that Tom Green is fluent in Japanese. 
mm-hmm. and he just acts like he doesn't know what the hell is going on. Uh, so this is the mini. So Tom's a good guy. He's like my brother's best friend, actually. Oh, that's great. I always like I didn't like all of his stuff, but I always thought that Tom Green was coming from a good place. I got to meet him at a show they did together oh, and cool. he was super cool. V- very ahead of his time. Yes. Very Definitely ahead a, of a his lot. Time. A lot of stuff. Um, while while some of the things that people, you know, did afterwards that built up like there would there would be no Tim and Eric. Without Tom certainly Green, not. certainly no um, jackass. Certainly yeah. no jackass. Yeah, he opened um, the door for that kind of absurdist, real humor. Yeah, um, um, yeah. This is uh, Minnesota, <laughs> uh, where we will talk about wrestling. Uh, yes, uh, eventually. Uh, reflecting on uh, episode eight, where we covered Samoa Joe versus Kenta Kobashi and Kenzo Suzuki versus Billy Gunn. I thought it was funny when I reflecting on it. Um, the Kenzo Suzuki Billy Gun match you could call the Suzuki Gun match, uh-huh. and uh-huh. Suzuki Gun is the name of a stable in Japan, yeah. Minoru Suzuki's stable. It's Gun with one N instead of two. I, I guess. I think Evan but. would dig Minoru Suzuki, an old bastard grandpa Minoru Suzuki. He also does that like shoot style where it looks like he's really fucking killing the guy with wrestling and uh he's a scary motherfucker we were talking about joe and loki in the premium episode uh in one of our premium episodes uh and he does that style where it's like a little bit disturbing because it's so real because it it really blends the you know the blurs the line between a wrestling match and an actual fight yeah he's a scary dude i actually i want to do a whole episode on shoot style wrestling eventually Mm, yeah um so uh, one quick little thing we are going to start adding to the minisodes, uh, mostly because I spent a lot of time in the minisodes sitting here twiddling my thumbs without a whole lot more to add. Um, for a while now, Doc and Ben have been on me to watch a serial of some kind, a wrestling serial, so I can get in the habit of watching a weekly show, following along. Uh, we tried NWA Power, which did not work for a variety of reasons, even yeah. before the Cornette controversy. And yeah, and I just wasn't that into it. So I am now, I'm going to be trying to watch AEW and NXT every week. And if, if, if you fall off on one of them, like, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want you to give both of them at least three weeks and keep in mind that it's a huge glut of characters. And after six weeks, you'll really know. Yeah. So you started off by actually watching the first AEW yes. episode. Yeah. So, yeah. AEW so Are you going to jump to current now or are no, you going to? I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to watch. So NXT... I might fall off for a little bit or something. I'm going to try to catch up on AEW. Uh, It seems like because it started around the time that we started this and it's sort of concurrent, it seemed like it would be the most exciting for me to start watching that. Obviously, it's the pilot. That's the one that they put the most effort into. That's all I've seen so far. So Mm -hmm. if AEW gets shitty, you know, that's something I'll, I'll have to learn as time goes on. I thought that pilot was really great. I thought it had... I thought it was um, a, a really good example of something that I feel like it takes all of the good stuff about wrestling, all the interesting stuff, and it, it is a very modern presentation in that yeah. it is presenting all of it without a lot of the bullshit that sort of you think of as old-fashioned with wrestling. You know, like, I don't know, it seemed a lot less misogynistic, a lot mm. less generally dumb. Uh, a lot more, I don't know, like, I just liked how the characters interacted with each other. 
I actually didn't mind the commentary. I thought the yeah. commentary was, you know. I, I really like the commentary on Dynamite. You know, they have the three-man booth with, uh, and let, let me explain to you a little bit these three guys. Sure. There's Excalibur who was the main commentator for PWG for years and years and years. He commentates under a mask, which I think is great. He was a wrestler for a while. He wasn't that great, and he just continued commentary. Very new school. He's very knowledgeable about the names of the holds and where everybody comes from, very technical stuff. He's one of the owners of PWG, so given that connection between AEW and PWG, that's one of the places they can kind of funnel talent from. Ah. So sitting with him is Jim Ross, who's been commentating wrestling since the early 80s, I think, if not before he started in Mid-South. I'm not exactly certain of the date. Um, He had been frustrated for years that the WWE either, like, wasn't signing him or they did sign him back for a couple of years and then barely used him. And his attitude is, like, don't hang up my jersey yet. I'm not done. I can do this. And sometimes he, like, doesn't quite get the modern wrestling, but then he'll say he's such a good announcer. He'll say... Tell me why this is like this, and then Excalibur will. And so if you don't know, Excalibur will explain it to you. Well, that's what I thought was nice, is that it seemed like they were really making an effort to get new fans right. <laughs> to get like like I was watching this, I'm like, oh, this is it had it did two things really well. One is that it seemed like a great introduction. It seemed like, hey, if you aren't really that familiar with wrestling, yeah. like we'll kind of break some stuff down for you and how it works. And then it also very much had the energy of, even though it was the pilot, mm-hmm. it felt like it, we were halfway through the season already. Yeah, you know, well, you're watching it, and they, and they present it in this there way. There was a reason for that. Um, before their television show got off the air, they did a series of large events. Um, that you know told the story together. Not a lot of them, like three or four over the last couple yeah. of years. Um, and there is a web series that like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are on called Being the Elite. I've actually never watched it. You don't need to watch it to follow the stories, but it helps as a supplement. And it kind of like chronicled the beginnings of the ideas of all of this and so on. Uh, but that's why it seems like it's picking up in the middle. But they're not acting like. But you're right. They're they explaining built it their to you. fan base first. So when they had their first TV show, there's a rabid crowd yeah. who's well, yeah, totally into it. That's the, it. It seemed <laughs> like you know because always the the best stuff is always you know I don't know like especially this is very much how podcasts work where yeah. I feel like you know you get into something. And there is a feeling that it's been going on for a while. And, like, you're, you know, you, you get this sort of fear, like, oh, no, I'm getting into this late. Because yeah. all these other, other people already know about it. Because we know how podcasts work. Because we're making a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Because we record exactly. three episodes a week, you know, and I'm very proud yeah. of us for doing that. If I could toot our own horn a little bit, I think we're doing very well considering our experience level. Yeah. We've and gotten a lot of positive feedback, and we're just going to continue doing our thing. Evan's the one who's actually, I think, really studied podcasts before <laughs> she came let, up with this idea. Yep, let's call it studying. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, uh, let's not let's Where not is, refer yeah. to it as just me uh, filling the void inside myself with uh, other people talking. Whereas I... I can count the number of pod different podcasts I've listened to on one hand. There you go. Um, you know. uh, so the third man in the booth, it was a very interesting choice, a man named Tony Schiavone. He was the lead broadcaster for WCW until they closed in 2001. He was a commentator in the 80s. He has his own podcast for the last couple of years. From the time that WCW closed in 2001, he did a couple of shots for TNA the next year. But basically from that time until he started his podcast like three years ago, he watched no wrestling. And while he was in WCW in the 90s, he never watched the WWF. 
So he doesn't have this gigantic knowledge base of the last 20 years of wrestling. So he's there to be impressed by things. He knows his wrestling and all that, but he sees something impressive happen. He goes, man, that's great. They, they do that now? And then Jim Ross and Excalibur can be more specific. So he's the voice perhaps of the lapsed fan, yeah. which is a big market. There are a mm. lot of people who used to watch wrestling and they can tune in. They know who the announcers are. So it's like old friends are talking to them. And Tony Schiavone has not been watching wrestling the whole time. They haven't been watching wrestling. So there's not all this context you're missing. Yeah, I was actually at a bar watching one of the AW pay-per-views. Isn't that great? Um, oh, yeah, I was yeah, at yeah. A, I was at a bar recently, and they were showing Dynamite. Now, this is the first time I've ever been at a bar well, that they're showing wrestling, and it's not the WWE. Well, my friend uh, Wilkins, who uh, has his own podcast, the Jobber Tears podcast. Oh, yeah, big shout-out to Jobber Tears. They're great. Yeah, they host all these uh, viewing parties yeah. all over New York City. So definitely... Look for those. They're some of the only wrestling viewing parties that don't have a cover. So yeah, they expect you to buy food. But even if you, you could not. Yeah. I mean, I would. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I have. Bar, it's at Legends Bar, right? They've done them in Legends Bar. The last one I went to was <laughs> I used to go to Legends Bar to see somewhere. Starcraft. I was going to say we yeah, well, we went yeah. we went to Barcraft there a couple yeah, times. That, yeah, I yeah. wish they did that more. <laughs> I went. I saw it somewhere else the last time. Okay. Uh, somewhere on Thirty Fifth Street. But yeah, uh, so those are great. And yeah, so I met a fan who had not watched wrestling since WWF in the 90s. And something about AEW had uh, sparked his imagination or caught his attention. And he was, he was really into it. He was sitting there yeah. explaining to the other two people he was with who had never watched any wrestling what he could piece together <laughs> of what was going on. But yeah, I think you're right, Doc. You know, the three announcers each represent a different kind of wrestling fan. Yep. Excalibur represents the hardcore indie fan. Jim Ross represents the, you know, longtime WWE fan, the person who's been watching this whole time and is more of a mainstream wrestling fan. And then, yeah, Shivani is the lapsed fan. I'm not watching as closely as I watch the matches for as the, well. You should, yeah. Um, like I'm not taking watching notes or it in a bar, like with a couple drinks in you, is kind of perfect, really. Yeah. And I just, I thought there was a real variety between the matches, where like you mm -hmm. you saw a bunch of different styles, you saw a bunch of different body types, you saw a bunch of different like yeah, I don't know. It was yeah. nice. It was uh so you know uh, as the minisodes go on, I'll give you my feelings oh. about um about. AEW and NXT and stuff as any, we any characters that jumped out to you immediately? Um I liked the uh was it Nyla Rose and yep. Riho? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, to crown the first AEW women's champion. Yes. I thought that was really interesting. Um I had seen uh you guys had shown me one of the comedic Japanese matches with Kenny Omega. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he I seems where he wrestled the little girl yes. that you showed you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he seems he seems like an interesting he's awesome. character. He's really yes, yes, he's um, the best bout machine, Kenny did, Omega. Did he Jericho do guy. any? Jericho did Jer some stuff. Jericho right? did some stuff. I still, I, I, I don't think he did like a ton. Like he's it wasn't... been consistently the most entertaining part yeah. of that show for me. Um, um, but you know, so yeah. you'll, you'll, you have, you'll you have a lot see. of good Jericho stuff yeah. to come. Um, alrighty, so let's get back into the meat of yeah. episode the, eight. The first thing I really want to talk about is we kind of really put over Ring of Honor in this episode. And in the 2000s, when they were this small company owned by Carrie Silken, uh, booked by Gabe Sapolsky, they were awesome. They were the cutting edge of uh, indie wrestling. 
current Ring of Honor, I mean, I haven't been into their product for many years now, uh, for about a decade. Uh, I think the last just Ring of Honor show I went to might have been 2012, but by then I was already like not really into it. We've already mentioned that they're owned by Evil Sinclair Broadcasting, but in just the last few weeks, uh, some really horrible shit has come out yeah. about oh, no. the company. Uh, oh, a lot right. of dirt. Yeah, uh, Joey Mercury, who was one of the agents, and Kelly Klein, who was the top uh, female talent on the roster. She's their women's champion. Yeah. They never took the belt off her. Um, have said that just like horrible mismanagement, no proper medical attention to wrestlers, them rushing her back into the ring after she suffered a concussion a couple of times. Um, just, yeah, uh, like really insulting uh, ways that the the management talked to them about their contracts and about their worth and and stuff like that. It just it just all sounds bad. So I do not mean I, I want to make it clear that we do not mean to put over Ring of Honor now as an example of great professional wrestling in any way. Yeah, no, their, their deterioration over the last several years has been sad. I just of all of the things, like once you're at a point where you're a wrestling promotion. And you're cutting corners in terms of safety and medical care, shut down and do something else with your life. Yeah. Because that is, if there is one thing that you really should not be fucking with running a wrestling promotion, it's people's goddamn, like, health and safety. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It uh, seems they have really no respect for the talent at all and consider them interchangeable. And uh, what did they say to. I heard Tommaso Ciampa say that he left oh, yeah. Ring of Honor. Uh, what was it that like they were like, um, you'll no one will ever pay you more than twenty thousand dollars a year to wrestle. Right, and 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 he said that he heard that and he was immediately like, oh, that's that's what you think of me. Okay, now his phrase was, okay, I don't care anymore. And they tried to backtrack it, and he's like, no, no, that's what you think of me. I'll do my remaining dates and I'll leave. And now he's like the top guy in NXT or one of the top guys in NXT. I don't know what he's making. But it's a lot more than 20K a year, that's for sure. Uh, And he's very happy about that. (laughs) That's, you know, what a top indie wrestler makes. Well, a lot of them have full time jobs otherwise. You know, if if you're the WWE, you'll, you'll make money, especially if you're on top. But on the indies, like, unless you're a merchandise machine like Joey Ryan or find other ways to monetize your stuff, it's like being in a band. Even if, like, you could draw a few people to your shows, you're only making money if you can properly monetize Except your brand. unlike a band, you're risking your fucking life and destroying your body night after night. We're going to have to do... I'll start putting together notes and doing some research mm-hmm. for this, but we're going to have to do, like, an episode on why wrestlers should form a union, yeah. what that would look like. We'll talk... There's, like, somebody in the New York scene who's trying to get that going, who's, like, really fighting for that, Well, right? there's David Starr has been pushing mm-hmm. it. Um, it. It was actually He's someone... He's probably in- too famous for us to get, right? I don't know. Well, we we we'll can ask him. Yeah. He, he's a real firebrand. Uh, he might be willing he's to He's awesome, do yeah. He's, he spends a lot of time in England now getting them to He lives in England. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, okay. he, he makes a big point about how he moved to England right. because fuck <laughs> the U.S. healthcare system. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, Rob, Rob um, Delaney was a great comedian. He also did, he did the exact same thing. He just moved yeah. to the U.K. and became a citizen and now, like, does ads for the Labor Party and podcasters yeah. and stuff talking about how unbelievably horrible the American healthcare system is. Um, yeah, David Sarr tweets um, a lot about labor. But uh, there was actually a, a, this week's uh, AEW Dynamite there was a guy front row center with a shirt that said unionize 
Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We'll have to because it's just like I, I don't think there is a better example of worker exploitation than the relationship between a promotion and the talent in yeah, wrestling. Like that, it is. It is the ultimate example of like we are going to try to make as much money as possible off of you taking on all of the risk and doing everything and and all we do is we just have the the space and we tell you what to do and you take all the training all the physical risk all this it's just yeah it's what what a nightmare. all the incremental improvements that have happened are great but they're not enough they're yeah. just not so on a lighter note uh some stuff about billy Gunn. <laughs> Um, Billy Gunn. So we mentioned his famous tag team, the New Age Outlaws. We actually never mentioned the name of his partner, who is the Road Dog, um, who is now one of the main agents and uh, creative forces in the WWE. And one of the better ones, I think. Like, SmackDown was really good when he was in charge. And he had so many problems trying to keep it good that he eventually stepped down. Yeah. I mean, that's not what he says, but that's what it seems like. He's working with NXT now more, I believe, uh, which is good. Good for him. He he must be good creatively because he managed to have a very successful wrestling career with having a very unimpressive-looking body. And he's very not athletic, and he never was. He also got way... Way over, and yeah. they just went with it. Uh, he was asked once, like, when did you know you made it? And he said, uh, I think it was the first $80,000 royalty check they gave me. It's like, that'll do it, you know? Yeah, I was never a huge fan, but hey, you know. No, I was. He had his shtick. He did it. It was fine. And apparently, yeah, he, he just really gets the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. Um, So I did think of one other Billy Gunn match that I think might be the best Billy Gunn match and that we're going to watch in a premium episode, Yeah, a couple of premium episodes from now, uh, when Billy was in Billy and Chuck, the okay. tag team that we mentioned, uh, the problematic for various reasons tag team that we mentioned. Right, right. And they defended their tag team titles against the team of Edge. Oh, boy. And Hulk Hogan. Whoa, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's that was the thing that happened for a little while there during Hogan's comeback. That's something I'm really trying to picture. You know, I I mean I I like Edge, yeah. so Ed, I feel like he could. Part of Edge's deal is that when he was uh, when he was a teenager, he went to WrestleMania six live in Toronto and saw Hogan Warrior. He was always a big Hogan guy for so, that. Uh, yeah. well, we'll we'll talk more we'll about talk it on, on that, on that yeah. episode. Yeah, get uh, get ready, listeners, because this upcoming Monday. Uh, is gonna drop a, an episode we've we've been really waiting for everybody to hear. Oh you know, yes, the first excited. of our two-parter on Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you listen to our last episode, right? All right. Well, I guess by now, yes, it is the upcoming episode. If this Minnesota had come out when it was supposed to be, <laughs> I would have said we said on the last episode that Hogan was gonna be the next episode, <laughs> but it's not. It's the one after. I, but time is, you know, amorphous we, now. We really need to stop like promising timing on things because we record a lot and we have to rearrange it. No, and and like, also, like our th- uh, the three, like the main episodes. The mini episodes and the premium episodes all kind of happen on different timelines too. Yes. Like the main episodes exist outside of regular time and space, yeah. where they're sort of meant to be timeless. The premium episodes are obviously tied to the main episodes, but then we would like record them like months afterwards. And then the mini episodes are supposed to be happening in real time, like in mm-hmm. like normal human space. 
but it's like we uh, recorded these Hulk Hogan episodes in 2015. I can't really yeah. remember them, you know. It's yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's so we actually <laughs> we recorded them before the whole Hulk Hogan racism thing. And it was <laughs> like what? <laughs> so they sound really yeah. weird. No, we we didn't. We, 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 we didn't. went we back. We talk about the racism a we, little bit. Yeah, a little, a little bit. We 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 kind of like we don't take him fully to task about that, but I think uh, I think. There are plenty of resources where you can hear about that because it was a huge problem. Yeah. Speaking of racism, so Kenzo Suzuki. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, just a small correction, Doc. You had uh, mentioned uh, yeah. Hirohito that Suzuki was originally supposed to be called Hirohito. Uh. Um, you had called him General Hirohito. It was actually he was Emperor, Emperor Hirohito. Emperor yeah. Hirohito. He's yeah. he's he was he he the one in the famous uh, picture with with Patton. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, oh, maybe part of the terms of the Japanese surrender. It would have been. Him, we're gonna yeah. take like just a regular old photo of your emperor standing there next to like our general here to and show he, that he's not actually a god, right? And he was like much shorter than the American general. It's like no, he's just he's just a person. He's not like as much as the cult of the American president can become a problem. We're always at least told and led to believe that the American president is a human being. Well, no, yes, a human some people being. these days. I mean, if you listen to some of those televangelists talk about Trump. Well, yeah, but they used to be a bigger deal anyway. Well, I or, could go yeah. off on televangelists, but yeah. that's a whole different podcast. I would also if you argue listen to the other side. They might tell you that Trump is some sort of space alien. Yeah, or a demon or something. Uh, but, well, they uh, say uh, that about all the you know, politicians. I'd also say by the end of World War Two, America probably looked at Patton as sort of a demigod like yeah. figure but they uh, didn't elect him president they, they elected eisenhower <laughs> that's also, an, uh... also speaking of racism uh we mentioned that there aren't a lot of good representations of uh black people in wrestling i think uh, i was saying you know when was the last black baby face who didn't dance um now we have currently on the rise keith lee who's fucking awesome and, I love um, Keith Lee so much. And they, they he just got a big shine at Survivor Series this year. I think he's the next NXT guy after Adam Cole. That's yeah, just yeah, me yeah. thinking. I Yeah, the, the guy to beat Cole for the title? If I had to guess, I'd say it's going to be Keith Lee. All right. Well, looking forward to that. Yeah. All righty. Uh, are we any, – any last thoughts? Let's, let's 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 keep let's keep the mini a little bit mini. Oh, okay. Yeah. Re real quick then. Uh, what, what did you think of NXT? I was gonna save that for the next mini episode. Let's do this. Um, all which right, we're which, recording in five minutes. Yeah, which is and these are also probably both gonna drop on the same day, so <laughs> you could just listen to that. We can we can put a gap of a day. Well, we'll debate this yeah. later. <laughs> uh, this oh. is. Yes. One more thing that I want to keep saying. We often talk a lot about our Patreon on our Patreon episodes to people who have already paid us. Right, And yeah. I, I, I want to, like, and I know it's a little ham-fisted. I'm willing to be the ham-fisted one. We do another full you episode. You are the professional wrestler. I yeah. am, and I will self-promote completely. Please, we're doing this. We would like to be professionals. We like, like to think we put out a good product. If you like our podcast, the regular feed, as most podcasts are, is always going to be free. These mini-episodes are free. If you'd like more, we do a whole other episode every week. Um, covering more matches. Uh, we, we've done a lot of interesting stuff. There's now seven or eight of them up on our Patreon. Check us out on Patreon. If you like us, please consider giving a little bit every month. We can, you know, do all of the good podcast stuff, get better equipment. If it gets really, really good, one of us can do this full time. 
yeah, so check that out. There's a lot of good stuff up, and every week there's more. And we have some vague but large plans for 2020 and some, uh, you know, we might do some mini series or some interview series or yep. stuff like that. All that's going to be behind the paywall. And um, yeah. all we can really promise you about the future of the podcast is that the three of us work very hard on it. We are aware of how much time we need to put into it, and we're going to continue to do that as much as we can. We've all been in the creative arts in a variety of ways for enough years to know that it doesn't just happen. So we're going to continue putting our all into this, and a fair chunk of it is going to be behind the Patreon paywall. Please, if you like us, consider uh, consider joining up. And as much as Docket has hammed it up as the professional wrestler, I, as the podcast and or YouTuber nerd, I'm going to tell you to smash that like and subscribe button. Just uh, destroy it. Just destroy it. Uh, much the way uh, Samoa Joe smashed the the pectoral muscles of Kenta Kobashi Ugh. with his mighty chops. All right. Um, That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm, like glad, I'm glad I got approval on yeah. that. Uh, all <laughs> right. This has been Contesting Wrestling. You guys are the best. Thank you.